I know I shouldn't be telling you this. Uh, I gave it to Mr. Stans. I beg your pardon? I, I gave it to Stans. Maurice Stans? The head of finance for Nixon? Yes, in, in Washington. Now, what he did with it, I, I really do not know. I see. Uh, were there any other checks, sir, that you uh, might that, be aware that, of that could have come? That, that's that's all I, I had to say. Mr. McGregor. Mr. Dahlberg. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. Not too seriously. Definitely. But a little seriously. I mean, enough. Listen, an appropriate (laughs) amount. An appropriate amount of seriously, uh, but not too seriously. But not too seriously. Um, Yeah. And we're here. In the fucking zone. In, in the in the podcast zone. In the in the Friday zone, feeling fucking weekend coming. <laughs> it's weekend vibes it over here. It is the weekend already. <laughs> I mean, I'm out of work. We're it's the freaking weekend. Baby, better have you some fun. No. Yes. No, he's canceled. Uh, he's a criminal. He's in jail now. That's right. Not, that's the, that's I, him. I yeah. think it's important to recognize that he is no longer canceled. <laughs> <laughs> do you stop being canceled when you go to jail you are a convicted criminal you're just a regular criminal now yeah you're you're, you're a street tough the unfortunate <laughs> thing is that i don't think anybody else has written a song that good about the weekend no there's a guy not. called the weekend who writes great songs he it's really on him in some ways i mean what is I even feel the like competition if, if anybody that's the Lover thing right? boy well there's like like working for the Lover boy. yeah working for the weekend like um there's but songs about saturday or whatever like s-a-t-u-r-d-a-y night like there's Good stuff song, like that man. like that song sucks though but, but that's the thing yeah saturday in the park yeah must have been the 4th of July. It's coming up. It's a Monday. That'll be the... Today is Monday. Today, when you were listening That's to right, this... That's right. When you're listening to this, it's the 4th of it's July. It's the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everybody. We love it. We we're love so, America. We're, we're hailing to and our And everything president. that's going on in it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love all of it. As we talked about on the bonus episode, I am in support of the SCOTUS. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's against it, and that's our dynamic. That's our dynamic. It's, it's kind of a fun little it's, rapport it's, we it's have. It's sort of like um, the popular show... Uh, Crossfire. Crossfire. Yeah. Uh, I'm Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the other guy. <laughs> Whoever. Whoever. Um, no. Uh, but yeah, the country's bad. It's going through it's bad, bad stuff. It's bad. I mean, generally speaking, it hasn't... It, there's been a little... It's been a long while since it's been fun to do 4th of July uh, and um, I don't think that this year is going to be a very fun Fourth of July. Oh, I'm going I to disagree. A, uh, I love Fourth of July. I mean, I love it, but I mean, it it used to be fun to like do like fun ironic American flag stuff. I never liked that. But now it sucks. Um, I'm going to a big water balloon fight. Oh, cool! I'm taking Nico to Long Island. 
to get him pelted by water balloons. <laughs> this is like a sort of like masculine ritual. Yeah, like, he's gonna now love Now you're it. becoming a man now that you're two. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna have so much fun. He's loving sure. water lately. Yeah, he baby's just, like getting they wet. love getting wet. <laughs> he hates his water shoes, like dude. Andrew WK. Yeah, I was gonna when I posted the little video of him at the splash pad today. I was gonna put "I Get Wet" behind it, <laughs> but I couldn't remember if that was the name of the song or the album or both. Both. There is a song. Damn. Um, well, there will be plenty more opportunities. But I think I like getting together with my friends, having a little ba- barbecue party, which I will mm. be having at my home. Um, yeah, I might try to stop by after that. Would be from the great from the parade. But uh, yeah, I have one every year. I like Fourth of July, and I like watching fireworks. I'm a big fireworks fan. Mm. It's fireworks day. It means literally nothing else to me. That's true. Yes. <laughs> Everyone can enjoy the fireworks. I can pretend I'm in China. Uh, where fireworks were invented um and that's great <laughs> yeah um they got a i feel like there's not been much innovation in the field of fireworks in a while i, I want to see like a new kind of firework you know i found a youtube about the guys who make the launch systems for like professional like stadium fireworks and the way they do it in like the hearts and mm-hmm. the, in the like the, the logos and stuff um, but I think it is still behind. It's pretty behind. It's not, you know, it's still run on like Windows 98. Yeah. And I mean, stuff. like the shapes and whatever. Like I saw that when I was a kid. Yeah. I want to see something new. Let's Show me the fucking. Where's the fucking Gandalf dragon? Yes. Where Show me some shit Gandalf? like that. <laughs> Show me some real shit. I bet that's possible. Where's the real shit? They're trying to make us believe that they have an iron dome and they can't show us the Gandalf dragon. They can't show us the Gandalf <laughs> dragon. <laughs> they think they, they want us to believe that they have missiles that can find another missile's trajectory in the air and then pa- take it out in the air but they can't make us the fucking gandalf dragon and that's all we want that's what israel should be doing to repair their global image yeah make the gandalf make dragon, the gandalf dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you can occupy whatever you want if you make the gandalf dragon <laughs> people will forgive you <laughs> you want more settlements make better fireworks <laughs> that's the rule yeah netanyahu get on to this bb yeah all right what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Um, so I watched a FX original series called The Bear. Oh, I just saw the trailer to this. Yeah, it's uh, it is the guy. You watched who, the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, it's only like eight episodes or whatever. Okay. Um, it's the guy from uh, he he plays the eldest brother on the show Shameless, mm-hmm. which I watched and only sort of enjoyed. Uh, okay, and he, you watched all of it. I watched all of it and only sort of enjoyed it. He's an incredible actor, though. He's really, really talented. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking all through Shameless that he needs more. Like, they need to let him do other stuff. And, like, as the show went on, the writers clearly, like, ran out of ideas for shit to do with his character. Sure. So he just had less and less to do in every episode. And you're just kind of like, come on. Like, set the kid <laughs> free. Just, like, kill his character or whatever. Just let him out. So now that it's over, they finally gave him a new show. Jeremy Allen White. Yes, Jeremy Allen White. Uh, and he basically is just the same character. Okay. Uh, but now he works at a restaurant. He's a cook. Uh, and it's in Chicago, so it's like even got a lot of like shameless vibes to it. Um, it's a very good show. I liked it a lot. Uh, just What's it about? Off the bat. So the, the plot of it is uh, Jeremy Allen White plays a young man named uh, Carmine, who um 
he's like a he's like a fancy fine dining chef guy who uh, has like worked his way up in the fine dining world to work in like some of the best restaurants in the world and whatever. And he's like, you know, rich and famous and whatever in in the culinary world. And then his older brother kills himself oh, and no. uh, leaves their shitty family restaurant to him in his will. And he feels like honor bound to go back and like try to like guide the restaurant to like a safe landing basically Okay. Uh, to like figure out all of its financial woes, figure out what to do with everybody who works there and like, you know, get it to the point where it's like, okay to close it. It's a diner. It's like a, um, like I guess the, the New York equivalent of it would be sort of like a, uh, I mean, I guess sort of like a bodega, but not really like it's a, like they, they do like Italian beef. It's like the beef sandwiches and like, it's like a shitty like greasy like a greasy spoon, spoon sort of thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of but a it's de- like very specialized to like a couple of things but anyway i feel like we like a cat's deli but less historic yes yes yeah okay uh-huh um or like a pizza pizza spot or whatever sure. like that sort of deal a little, little restaurant little restaurant a couple seats but like distinctly lowbrow right and yeah. he's like a highbrow guy and he's like in a lowbrow place and so the beginning of it is sort of like a clash of culture thing so wait why does he want to close it why would he come back to close it? Uh, because, I mean, well, I think he wants to close it because it's not really what he wants to be doing with his life. Uh, and the reason he has to come back is because the restaurant is, like, terribly in debt. Like, you know, oh, like, the whole like thing is, like, spiraling want- out of control. So he's trying to, like, fix the restaurant operations enough so that it becomes profitable again so that they can pay off the debts on the restaurant and then close it. Okay, I That's see. That's kind of, like, what the thrust of the season is. And then, like, pretty much right away, he finds out that, like, his brother was, like, in deep with like the chicago mafia for money also (laughs) so he like owes even more money on top of the money that the restaurant owes to regular debt stuff uh and so a lot of it is like stressful clash of culture stuff where like everybody is like constantly hazing him for being a fancy boy and they're all like you know working class chicago people i think sometimes it's a little corny sometimes it's a little shitty but i'm very intrigued by the way that it treats like the workplace specifically okay because it's about a workplace and it's about people at work but like like an example would be uh you're in the middle of this like big dramatic going on with the restaurant where like they failed a health inspection and like the one character has to go out and get like get shit from the from the hardware store to fix something that was fucked up for the health inspection and then in the middle of that scene they'll just take a break from it entirely because he gets a phone call from his ex-wife who's like you know, our daughter, you know, is fucking up at school and like she's at the principal's office again. Mm-hmm. And like, I need you to talk to her because I can't fucking do it again. Can you talk to her? And he like talks to her and has this really like, you know, pep talk with her and then hangs up the phone and like just like, like almost like cries for a second and then like collects himself. And then we don't really explore that much further <laughs> because we're at work and right. like he's just kind of got to like swallow it because he's got more shit to do at work for another couple of hours. Nice. And this kind of happens all the time. So a lot of like what the show ends up being about is like the ways in which like we have to like struggle through our own lives, but also like wrestle those things away to struggle through this whole other thing that we do. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's interesting. It's it's a very interesting angle on a like restaurant food show. Like it you looks, don't really see that very it, much. It looks good. I feel like uh, I was I had never I didn't feel like it was something I'd seen before because the movie not a movie show is like a single camera show. Mm-hmm. It's not I it's not a 
if I hadn't seen it, I, I think by what you were describing, I might think it like looks like The Office or like a sitcom or something. But it's a really gritty, it's, yeah, almost it's really like, well shot. It's, it's really it, it looks like a. It reminded me of the show The Night Of. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It looks like The Night Of, except it's fucking about cooking yeah. Italian beef. And it's... it's uh, So I think the highlights of it are... Like, I think the writing is kind of poor at times. Okay. I think the highlights of it are the acting uh, and the directing. I think the directing is really incredible. I think, you know, the the way that the... The way that they capture it is is just like really dynamic and really like tense and exciting and like and like brutal at times mm-hmm. and like you really feel everything, which is pretty good. There's one episode though that I really wanted to talk about specifically, which is the second to last episode of the series of the season. Does uh, it end a cliffhanger? The, uh, se- the season. I mean. I wouldn't say it's a cliffhanger. It's just kind of a like. A, there's gonna be more. There's gonna be more. Like there's it, it. I mean, whatever. It ends with he closes the restaurant and and but he puts oh. up a sign saying that he's opening his own restaurant in that same space. So, oh, so he's like closed the Italian beef shop, but he's opening his own thing that's gonna be his own. Wow, they know, make that much money in one season. You'll see. It's okay. kind of. I mean, this is kind of part of what I didn't didn't like about it. But anyway, so the second to last episode is a like it's a quintessential second to last episode of a season of of a drama where like everything has come full you know head on all at once like all the all of the little plots from the whole season are all peaking at the same time and uh the story basically is that it's like uh they're like trying out doing to-go orders for the first time and they have like a little they have like an online ordering system they're doing a seamless or whatever yeah yeah uh and then one of the characters has like accidentally left pre-order on all night. So they just get like slammed with like a hundred sandwiches, <laughs> like, a, you know, like a million orders all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, I don't know. We just got to fucking like push through and they're like pushing through. And, and it's all just like super high intensity, super high stress. Uh, a bunch of stuff goes wrong. A bunch of stuff that's been culminating all season kind of all explodes in this stressful environment and whatever. Really, really, really good acting in the whole thing there is there is uh arguments about this i'm not sure what i think about it yet it might be one shot oh okay it might be the whole it's a 20 minute episode the rest of the series is 45 minutes it's a 20 minute episode it might be after the initial opening montage it might be a oneer uh-huh. of just like the most incredibly blocked thing you've ever <laughs> seen where like literally a whole plot's worth of shit happens in one shot. Wow. Uh, there it's are probably, places. Probably digital. So that's the thing, right? It's like there, there are places that you can see that it would make sense uh-huh. to hide a cut. But like, there's people talking about it online where they're like, I mean, you can see where you could do it, but I don't see him doing it. Like, mm-hmm. there's places where it will go past something close up to like try to hide a cut there or whatever. But you're also filming in a kitchen. You really can't help but do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically, there's a couple of people who like worked on the production who are like, I mean, it's one shot, dudes. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> it's it is one shot. Like, we did it. Even if it's not digital, like even if it is digitally, you know, done that way. Like, 
they did like six takes of it and six takes are the whole episode. Wow. <laughs> so either way, it's like, it's 20 minutes long because that's the battery length. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they picked one of them or, uh, or they cut, together, or they the cut best together the best parts of all the ones. But either way, it's, it's really crazy impressive. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I was just hearing some sort of, um, somebody, I just heard somebody be like, people aren't impressed by oneers anymore. Mm. It's a sort of a thing that's become that's thing a is, gimmick. Yeah, I definitely am um, not the kind of person to like soy jack point at the one or whatever. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's one shot. Like, I definitely am not that kind of person. But like, it's this is at, see the thing. This is actually like helped by it being a one or yes. As a film student, I went to film school. Like, I absolutely was the kind of person who, when I first saw it done, you're, you're pointing. At I'm the pointing. I'm the soy jack <laughs> for sure. Um children of men being one of the first ones i saw mm. was made aware of i'm trying to think of some of the early better ones but children of men is a perfect example of this too where it's of like it's, the one is reason. actually for a reason it's actually like benefiting the the mm-hmm. tension of the scene by doing it yeah uh satan tango is a movie that is like all that it's and then the other side of long. the the other side of the one that i really like is like the casual like not drawing attention to itself one mm. where you're like yeah, whatever. It's a wonder. Why would they not? Why would they like cut? the Jaws one where they're on the ferry and you're just like, whatever. Oh yeah. Who cares uh, that it's a wonder? It's not really. Or in the movie we're about to talk about when yeah. there's like a fucking six minute long shot of him <laughs> talking on the phone. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do. I I I think that I am still. The only time when I think it's a bad move is when it there's clearly more important things we should be seeing Mm -hmm. like close-ups. Like I think foregoing close-ups and foregoing framing just to get uh, a wonder is a problem, but there are a lot of sequences that it's a impressive. And I don't think you can take away from like the preparedness and the blocking and the technical ability when it's done right. Uh, And I think there's a lot of scenes. It's definitely something that, builds tension yeah well i think you'll be very interested in this then because like part of what's so impressive about the the wonderness of it is how much close-up they get and yeah. how much like following and getting to people and like just how much movement is happening in the whole thing it's crazy and like there are a bunch of again there are a bunch of places where it passes a wall or it like whip pans or whatever right but it's Which, also if you're completely smart, believable to be like well this person's standing here this person's standing here how else do I get the coverage right but to whip pan <laughs> but what's great about that is that that's that's how you if you're a smart director you put those in in case mm-hmm. because like you're kind of being an asshole if you don't yes that's <laughs> and, true too and yeah. it's like well you're making something that might be good and cool later but like you need to put in stuff so that the editor can like work around it if they need to um and if it doesn't work um which it might not because you're not a god and you know the director can be a dick for doing those things and i've i have editor friends who complain about like people want to do a rub one or for no reason so i think that's great if there's the whip pans if there's the hidden cuts places and they don't don't use them that just makes it more yeah that's almost even cooler it's just like technically oh you're doing it correctly too um yeah it's cooler yeah so that episode in particular i think makes the whole series worth watching nice i think generally speaking the writing at times is a little poor but i think it still is worth 
It I still mean, was I, worth it overall. I, and I think the acting and the, the directing fact, is pretty great. Like that trailer, I was like, ooh, a show. Like I haven't even, I can't even think of a show that's just about normal people in a real workplace. Mm-hmm. Like since that, that isn't from the 90s or before. Like yeah, especially taxi. Like, kitchens in particular yeah taxi <laughs> wings is, taxi is a very good example of <laughs> of this type of thing but even taxi is like goofy fun or whatever you don't like, get to see them working yeah this is it's interesting because i feel like cooking shows and and like the only fictional accounts of cooking that you ever see are like really like hoity-toity like fine dining sort of situations this is the only one i can think of where it's like this is a disgusting kitchen that they like are just like sweating and grueling it out <laughs> yeah the only thing I, I i remember really liking the movie waiting for that reason mm-hmm. where it's like they all work in a fucking chilies or whatever you saw that movie yeah, with yeah, ryan yeah. reynolds um and the and the movie is about them at work and it's like i always hated the office for that because it's like you never really see them do anything like, yes and and specifically they make work seem like a like good place where you like hang out with your, hang friends, out with your friends and like make connections and whatever and like, like that nobody even like has a real life you know what i mean like yeah. everyone everyone's life is like contained within their job and it's like fine that they have way. like some apartment somewhere that occasionally you cut to for like a party or whatever but like right and and like they invite every single one of their office mates or whatever or their, yeah. their co-workers is like what who would do that yeah uh i never like when it's just like everyone actually just like, even wings is like a show where everyone is just friends and they just hang out and talk all day it's like don't you have like airplanes to deal with yeah. or something um but I liked waiting because it's like most of the movie is like about trying to deal with a very simple problem mm. and that being fucked up by work. Yeah. <laughs> One of the cool things in Taxi, I remember being that like scenes would often be missing people because they'd be out on their shift yeah. or like somebody would have to leave midway through a scene to go take a fare or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They'd be like, where's Tony? And yeah. he's like, oh, he's out. And like that would happen. And like they would fuck him up for that reason. Uh, so I'm excited is yeah, you it, should check it out. I, I was I was excited to watch it even before, just like literally today. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's any good. Um, it's so pretty good. If you're saying it's pretty good, I'll probably and it's, watch it. And it's short enough. It's an easy watch. Sure. Anyway, what did you watch this week? Well, I almost forgot what I watched this <laughs> week. Um, I feel like we talked enough about French Dispatch. We agreed that it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but what I did watch this week was... Uh, a movie that I threw on, I had wanted to watch a long time ago, and I threw on while I was working, um, called American Dharma. Okay. Which is an Errol Morris documentary, very loose on the documentary there, mm. uh, about Steve Bannon. Oh, okay. Um, it's... Did I see that? I don't know. Did you watch it? You remember when it came out? Steve Bannon is the one who has like the the Breitbart guy who was in the the Trump administration, who is he the one who has the the Nixon back tattoo? No, that's Roger Stone. Roger Stone. I watched the Roger Stone. Get me Roger Stone is a movie. Yeah. Or no, no. Get me Ray Cohen is a movie. Whatever the Roger Stone one is. Okay, I, I watched have, that one. I have not seen the Roger Stone documentary. I watched the. Oh no, it is called Get Me Roger Stone, from twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. That guy is a crazy person. Uh, yeah, he is so insane. But you gotta kind of love him for it, you know. <laughs> Same thing with with Bannon a little bit, where you're well, just like, these guys are like such eccentric personalities that, to some degree, you're like, it's cool that this guy exists. I guess <laughs> Bannon, I think, 
is Bannon is evil in a way that I personally find infuriating. Mm. Um, Roger Stone, I agree. <laughs> Roger Stone, I haven't seen that documentary, but I know a lot about him. He's and just such a weird eccentric with his like wacky ass fucking sunglasses maniac. and suits and shit, and like Bannon is a is a and he's like a Palpatine type where yeah, like yeah, you yeah. just kind of like watch him being evil and you're like you enjoy it so much. Yeah. <laughs> Bannon is a dyed in the wool ideologue. Yeah. Who like believes in fascism for sure and mm-hmm. like just is doing all he can to like bring about a world that he wants. I mean, in a certain way you almost have to to you almost have to respect the grift. I mean, mm. like the that you know, you're spending your life doing something that you think is the way the world should be. Um, I don't, but I mean, you kind of like, at, he's singularly minded. Yeah. Um, and what's fresh. So the movie is literally like my dem- dinner with Andre level, like barely any like cut twos, mm-hmm. like, you know, Errol Morris, right? He did fog of war. He did known unknowns. He did the thin blue line. Oh, he okay. did, uh, his older movies are more, um, his older movies are the ones people know. Um, I think the last big one was fog of war, which was about McNamara. Um, gates of heaven, thin blue line, uh, Mr. Death, uh, fast, cheap, out of control, Vernon, Florida. Um, he's cool. He's interesting. He's a, he's an interesting filmmaker. Um, the problem with this movie is that it is a sit-down conversation between Errol Morris and Bannon. Mm-hmm. Now, Errol Morris has a long history of interviewing terrible people. Sure. Thin Blue Line, Fog of War is about Robert McNamara. Nona Knowns is about Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld one is really interesting. Um, yeah. He's a big liar, a very evil person. But that one I feel like makes a better, it does a better job of setting, of just showing you him and letting him talk to the screen and like doesn't challenge him on anything, but like basically lets him get caught up in his own like myth making and lying Mm -hmm. to like sort of give you little peeks behind his like mask. Um, Which people have sort of accused Errol Morris of being to like not challenging enough um and i agree with that i i think it could be you could argue that he could do something more for rumsfeld to like catch him when he says stuff Mm -hmm. um but i like his sort of artistic standpoint of like i'm just gonna let this person bury himself in front of this camera and then cut it together and show it to you this movie he does put nothing but push back okay but he is such a dumb lib that he like doesn't know how to get him. And Bannon is clearly much smarter than him. Yeah, that's and it's so infuriating because he allows Bannon to just straight up like say Lenin talking points mm-hmm. of like the working class needs to take back power from the elites and like you should know better. You've talked to McNamara, you've talked to rumsfeld he's like i'm surprised you have these perspectives he's like how did you make those movies and vote for hillary clinton and he just like constantly has these like better points yeah and like 
Morris is just like speechless and Ugh. doesn't know what to say to him. Why did he put out the movie? I don't know. That's it's so, so embarrassing. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing because he like, because he like, he does like catch him a couple times. He's like, he's like, uh, and yet you like that sort of shit. Like, how does he catch him? Does he like you say this and yet you do this? Well, he's like, do you th- see? He's like, how does the Muslim ban stop the elites? Like, <laughs> How how does like being a racist like he's like what do you, how, he's like these things don't match basically yeah. and he'll like confront Bannon with those things and be like because that's a good point it's like you're not being a communist you're being a fascist right like you're you're not interested in those things you're trying to secure certain th- like if he was a smarter and more red person yeah he could be like wait that doesn't make sense because you did this. But then, even in the filmmaking, he'll confront him with something like obvious contradictions, and Bannon will just change the subject. Yeah. And it's like, he doesn't, he just lets them easily worm out of it. The whole movie. Brutal. And it's... Pathetic. Fucked up. And so annoying. That is fucking (laughs) pathetic. Uh, But it's fascinating. So that, it is insanely frustrating and pathetic. Uh, But the movie is an hour and a half of Bannon just talking to the camera and it th- there is moments where it basically lets him like say what he wants and when he like is being honest it's fucking insane like he just keeps talking about all these movies like uh bridge over the river kwai and stuff and uh what is that one he really likes it's like Cary Grant is a general, like t- twelve o'clock noon or something. I don't know some like you know American rah rah bullshit sure, yeah. about like you know fulfilling your destiny and like you know doing whatever you need to for like the good of the country or whatever. Um, and he keeps just saying he's like, if we don't do something, there's going to be a revolution in this country. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying it like, wouldn't that be horrifying? <laughs> like. Like, he's not saying he wants the revolution. Who, Bannon? Bannon. Yeah. He's like, wait, what are you saying? Because it's like, doesn't he think Trump is the revolution? No. Like, what he really is saying, he's like, Trump is a way to, like, dislodge this, like, system of, like, corporate liberal rule and, like, basically, like, recreate a sort of more body politic like italian fascism basically Mm -hmm. he doesn't say that he's always couching his language in like the language of socialism basically everything he says kinds of gets wrapped up in like we have to let people be free to make their own decisions and like we need to like take out these powerful people and like put people in charge normal people in charge or whatever working class people but then it's like when he gets into how what he actually means uh, it's much worse, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think if there's anything, any reason you should watch the movie, it's because it's a fascinating look at how someone who is ideologically uh, fascistic, someone who wants, you know, a stranglehold of power over working class people just say the opposite for like an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and like try to convince you that he's not. Um, And it's one of those things that I feel like people are still just falling for hook, line and sinker. The whole like Nazis were communists too or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it never stopped working. Like (laughs) it's unreal. It's unreal. It's like, how are you so stupid? Just like, look at 
any part of history. <laughs> it's I mean it's it's it it's it's a frustrating thing that happens now a lot with like mass shooters where like they'll leave behind these manifestos that are like the most reactionary fucking fascist bullshit like for pages and pages and pages yeah and then they will put like one sentence in there where they're like by the way i'm a leftist and then like (laughs) and then all of these fucking fascists around the country get to like have the one thing to point to to be like look look he said he's a fucking leftist he's one of yours (laughs) yeah yeah unfucking believable and this is obviously the media apparatus of a fascist country is going to do that but it's just like so surprising how many people you run into who are just like See, it's a horseshoe, you know, (laughs) and it's very infuriating. So I think most people believe that Bannon is far right and interested in, you know, might makes right, you know, uh, like crush the weak to secure power for the many or whatever type of ideology. It's very clear and people understand that, especially because of his um, association with Trump. So listen to this person talk and and understand that this is a very easy lie to just like everyone agrees with communism if you just explain it to them without the word right like everyone is like yeah we should have housing for all we should have democracy we should have working power you know and fascists love to use it because everyone loves it yeah um so i think for that reason it's an interesting little show of that but I was pretty upset at it <laughs> that Errol Morris was just like, I'm afraid of Trump. I, I voted for Hillary because of Trump. And my son is so mad at me for not voting for Bernie. <laughs> uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so if you can't handle listening to Errol Morris be a dumb lib, uh, don't watch it. If you want to hear a really weird guy talk for an hour and a half, it's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, I I'm very split on it, but it's like all of his movies. Like, honestly, like known unknowns is and fog of war are pretty fascinating for similar reasons. He's just better about shutting his trap because he's like, not like twitching in his boots because of Trump. So interesting guy, interesting filmmaker. I thought it was cool and bad, but interesting, (laughs) interesting enough. Very slight recommendation for a specific reason. Anyway, let's get to the movie. Let's get to our feature presentation. Our feature presentation. In honor of America's birthday. (laughs) 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 Uh, We watched uh, the 1976 film All the President's Men. All the President's Men, directed Directed by by Alan Pacula. Alan Pacula. uh, Starring Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman as Woodward and Bernstein, America's favorite journalists. Yeah, America's only journalists. They're the only journalists who ever did anything. Um, Yeah. uh, Why don't you explain what this movie is about, (laughs) Trevor? Thank you for asking. This is my pick. Uh, I I've, I saw this movie in college. Yeah. Um, I saw it in uh, high school the first time. Really? Yeah. Did you like it then? Uh, no. Yeah, I can't imagine you liking this in high school. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, I th- we watched it in a journalism class. Uh, I bet I could. I bet I could premise this in a couple of sentences. Sure. This is a movie dramatization of the Watergate scandal and the two reporters who sort of flat foot gumshoe it down and figure out and break the story to the Washington Post in yes. DC 
Uh, we would have to explain because this movie doesn't do a great job of explaining what the Watergate scandal is. Yeah, it is. really it relies on you <laughs> knowing a lot about Watergate already. It was made in. It was made when people knew a lot about what did you Watergate. Seventy six. Seventy six. Yeah. So, so it's like a couple years it's later. Three years later. Yeah. And they make. Yeah, this is like the World Trade Center. Like, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> this is say, like, it's like if that movie was good, right? W- would be what this is. I'm trying to think of any any a good other example movie. The of report? one that actually Did you watch is the report? good uh, with Alan, Adam Driver. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is like the report, which I also liked. Yeah, the, it's like the report. Um, the I feel like trip. there was one that was like a too soon thing that was actually pretty good, but in any event, uh, yeah. So it's it, uh, it very closely the big tr- short. The Big Short, exactly. The Big Short and W. People really like W. Oh, really? The Oliver Stone movie. Yeah, I've never seen that. Uh, I should watch that. I heard Josh Brolin is incredible in it. I've heard that too. Anyway, Vice, <laughs> not not so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it it closely follows the story of Woodward and Bernstein from the early like the early onset of the case where it's just like uh, Woodward is just kind of like a piece of shit little, you know, new guy at the newspaper that right. they just kind of throw on the case because they're like, whatever, it's a break-in at a fucking office building. Who the fuck cares? And then like that kind of like well, eventually... Well, everyone does know it is the DNCCC or the D... The- the D triple C or the DNCC DNCC uh, whatever it's 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 the national Dems their thing gets broken into but nobody thinks that it's for anything in particular they kind of give it to him because it's kind of a nothing story that they're like it's just a break-in you know whatever uh, and then he's the one who kind of like he 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 tracks down some more stuff and then they they add another guy to it and then I don't know whatever a bunch of shit happens they track down a whole bunch of stuff it's really it's 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 a movie of just like it, it, it's it's one of the best depictions of like what journalism used to be like and i wish it was wish it still was <laughs> like this uh but like the way that like before there was like i don't know i mean it, it seems like a lot of this is just coming down to like how everything is online now right and and jur- like journalists can't make money anymore and like newspapers well, can't make money are, anymore there are multitudinous reasons why journalism is trash and bad and no good anymore right um and no one is allowed to do work like this uh because people don't want to pay for it uh, the last good journalism movie that i remember seeing was spotlight mm-hmm. um which was i seen that yeah it which was i liked um, I like movies like this. Uh, Zodiac is really good too, mm-hmm. uh, which you can kind of argue is a journalism movie. Um, it's a newspaper. He's a yeah, newspaper I guess you're guy. Right, yeah. he's, he's only working on the story because he's a journalist. Um, I, I think that uh, I like movies like this. This was this was this movie like when I saw this movie in college, I was like, I wish I w- went to journalism school. Yeah. Like, and I had I had applied. When I was in high school, I applied to. I was writing in newspapers. I mm. was like into journalism. I was into researching stories. Sure. Um, I wanted to do that. Um, I s- smartly <laughs> uh, ascertained very quickly that uh, I wasn't going to be able to do investigative journalism. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly why I, I had that feeling, but. I I talked. I remember. I I talked to multiple friends who were like working in journalism. My parents' friends and stuff, and we're just like, it's not like that. Like you're yeah. mostly not doing that kind of stuff. You have to work 
you have to like you gotta write like you food. gotta eat shit for like years before you can even get close to that right and i i knew i wasn't gonna be good and and that was that. like the dying embers of that industry when we would have been getting into it right, right. Like, we're talking about 2004 now, five six my buddy know? lucian uh just graduated from journalism school and he his job for like a while was just like going to the the el chapo uh court case every day oh yeah and just like hang out there take notes bring it to somebody to write an article yeah like he didn't even write the article (laughs) the good journalism now is books you can only write a book Mm -hmm. and like uh i don't i'm sure i've mentioned on this show um chaos by tom o'neill yeah which is 20 years of journalism you know investigative journalism that he could never no one could ever have paid his salary for that long you know to like do the work he needed to do to write that book right um and obviously they didn't he almost went bankrupt (laughs) he lost all his friends etc etc um so this movie makes me sad because it makes me wish that there was journalism uh that was good and people paid people to do stuff like this um but other than that it's a movie that is structured sort of like a spy thriller mm-hmm. um it's like you I mentioned would, I, on, would, I would argue against thriller I, as well, the yeah, word I, I know on letterbox you said it's very boring but but um, i love it i, I love it too. I, it's a movie that i adore i've seen it a bunch of times oh really i've seen it i mean this has got to be at least like the fifth or sixth time i've watched this movie i adore this movie are you a pacula fan generally or no or, no oh, not really you gotta you gotta get into pacula uh, i don't know his other <laughs> stuff i was trying to quickly click through it before but um no i mean i i i enjoy this movie a lot i've watched it i mean i watched it in high school i watched it a couple times in college for various journalism classes uh it it's something that they just show you when you take journalism classes that's true <laughs> because it makes it's you... the only thing that makes you want to be continue to want to be a journalist yes um and then i watched it once um uh on the way home from on the on the bus ride home from the women's march in dc we watched it um on a bus yeah we like put it on a laptop oh, okay. and I, um and, and, and i've just i've watched it a bunch of times it's a very enjoyable movie however it is deeply and profoundly boring and and, and on purpose <laughs> it's purposefully boring like that's part of the charm i don't think of it's it. boring at all it's 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 meant to show you how tedious the process of journalism well, is. well sure it's i think it's it's not it's not riveting or i guess it's not thrilling mm-hmm. but it is riveting in the sense of like you're it's compelling kinda, it's exciting you're on the seat of your chair like trying to figure like what's what's fascinating about this movie is that it's functionally a series of two guys manipulating people Mm -hmm. and you have to be i think a certain kind of person to be a good at manipulating people in not an evil way yeah um dustin hoffman is incredible in this movie which i will say which because i i you know grew up like you know kind of realizing that i was a manipulative person and having that in a bad way Mm -hmm. like you know just kind of lying a lot uh and as i grew up being like well i'm you can't do that but like being good at being manipulative can be a good thing if you use it for something like journalism or or, you know poker (laughs) you know um the two most noble pursuits things that i like i don't know um but watching somebody be good at it for a certain kind of person like myself 
is like watching a magician or sure. like or like or a sports you know an athlete to do something yes. really proficient or speed mm-hmm. running or something and absolutely. this movie really rubs that kind of absolutely and I, and I wouldn't say that it's not like it's I don't know like entertaining is a word I would use for it like compelling yeah. is a word I would use for it like uh, 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 exciting isn't no and, and, and that's exciting. what's so beautiful about the movie well, right I, is like and, and this is how it was pitched to us too is like uh, in in the first journalism class where I first watched it I remember the teacher saying like this is the best movie to show you what it's actually like to do the work of journalism. Like, right. Even if like this type of journalism doesn't happen anymore in, in this scale and, and with these sort of consequences and, and whatever, like the, the act of cold calling people to be like, Hey, do you know who this person is? All right. I'll call you back later when I have another name of a person. I need to check if you know yeah. them. Like, just like the the tedium of it all is so, is, is so fascinating. The repetitiveness of it all. And, and, their commitment to like taking time to be like, he's going to type for five minutes. Like mm-hmm. the, the way that they're just willing to slow everything down so much is, is it, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, uh, it's a compulsion at times to, to make the movie more boring so that it, <laughs> so that, but so that you don't get the wrong idea of what was happening. Like these guys aren't action heroes. No, no, they're no. not spies. They're journalists who are writing a story about the president. It's different than if they were spies, you know, they're the CIA agents who yeah. did the Watergate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we barely see them. We, we see like the tape on the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. You see Frank Sturgis like say, oh, I actually work for the CIA. At yeah. the end. You never really hear about that, which I do have a little bit of an issue with. But I mean, in the, in real life, I mean that wasn't, you know what I mean? It's like you're um, you're three years after Watergate, and and you like, in real life, the stories that they were writing weren't about the CIA. You know what I mean? Like, right? You um, you're trying to depict the story of Woodward and Bernstein, like their stories weren't about that. Right, and Bern, you know, Bernstein is like, you know, the he's a red diaper baby. Like he's, you know, he he's like trying to find the truth you know Woodward there's theories that he was like kind of on the take about this stuff Mm. um and there's a reason why we don't hear too much about the CIA in this movie after a certain amount even though like they helped and like Nixon was clearly working with them for these reasons but it's like sort of all blamed on Nixon and not the CIA Mm. um but I don't know I don't I, I I feel like this one is such a weird conspiracy because it like it's so clear. Everyone agrees that it was a conspiracy, but like still nobody really blames the CIA for it. Right. Even though they were definitely doing it. Yeah. Um, These guys are Cuban. And then you it's, know. it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're actually the same people who killed JFK. Like Frank Sturgis was involved with the JFK stuff in the fucking Louisiana. Like why is he in DC? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, What's fascinating about it is that it's surrounded by the Bay of Pigs, the JFK assassination, like all the stuff that CIA is doing right before this and Nixon's knowledge about that. And like, this is the one that people know about and mm-hmm. like all think is true and like someone yeah, got and, punished and, and, for it. And, you know, to this very day, we call every scandal like something gate, yeah. not the Bay of something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it should be. We should be calling everything like the Bay of uh, Gamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bay of Gamers. Oh, man, we should start doing that. Yeah, when when all the gamers descended upon, uh, uh, what was her name? 
uh, Anna Sarkeesian, Anita Sarkeesian. The one before her, it was Zoe, uh, Zoe Quinn. Quinn, yeah. Yeah. When the when when they all got the signal all at once to start their student uprising against <laughs> Zoe Quinn <laughs> in the Bay of Gamers in the Bay of Gamers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then you know Trump was in bed with Russia in the Bay of Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or we could call it Plaza. Russia, or, um, Russia Plaza or the Gamer Bay, Plaza? The Bay of Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, a deli- uh, what is it called? Uh, what's the JFK Plaza? De- De- Denny Plaza? Delancey Plaza? I don't know. Where he got shot. Yeah, I don't know. You can't remember? No. Grassy Knoll. I didn't know there was a plaza. I thought it was on a street. It's the pl- the pl- It's like shaped like a, a little triangle, and that's a certain plaza where he got shot anyway anyway the movie's good the movie's good uh, it's, it's ha- very boring and i love that about okay, it before we go and- too much farther into like the text of the movie i want to say the movie is beautiful and Pacula, it does look very good yes pacula and it's funny because somebody while i was watching this movie someone was like thief is one of the prettiest movies i've ever seen it's maybe the best looking movie mm. michael mann thief and it's like you know nighttime neon lights like everything's covered in rain all the time and like everything's shimmering off of anything but this kind of movie is my shit like i like flat gray <laughs> buildings everyone's dressed in brown mm-hmm. everything's a cubicle but like everything is textured like everything feels fuzzy mm-hmm. everything it's sharp but everything feels like it's like made of like canvas paper yeah um, and that 70s film really helps yes and pacula's movies look like this this clute uh and the parallax view are his like cia trilogy mm-hmm. um which i highly recommend watching all three of those movies including this one uh do not fucking watch sophie's choice i don't know why he made that movie it's terrible don't watch it um but pacula um, made a series of movies uh, that are sort of about oh they're called the it's called the paranoia trilogy it all happens to involve spies <laughs> you wonder why um, but this one is sort of about the CIA doing something and then people uncovering it and he just has this very particular eye and it's funny I remember liking the movie when I watched watched it for the first time and then like when they start like filing through the library cards, he's like, I got the, the, the library clerk is like, I got him. I don't know if you want him, but oh, I yeah, got yeah, him. Yeah. And then there's just like that really long shot where mm. it goes all the way up into the ceiling of the library. Of how Congress. alone they are in their pursuit. <laughs> I guess. I'm, but they're not really, I, I love I that about this movie too, that like the, the main antagonist of the film is not Richard Nixon. The main antagonist is the New York times. Yeah. It's just like also <laughs> working on the story, but we don't really see them very much and we don't really get the impression that it's like this is what i mean about boring is like it's like (laughs) the urgency of stuff is like is not such that like we're ever like oh we got to beat them to something like we got to hurry up no it's not like that and like you know like my joke on on letterbox that like the moment somebody says like your lives could be in danger they're like actually we're just going to type for five minutes and then end the movie But that scene just is in, tense. Just in case something we're about to get exciting, let's just let you know <laughs> this is about journalism. I mean, maybe I'm wild, but like I, when when Bernstein comes back and starts just like spewing, he's like, over a two day period, they spent six million dollars. Oh then yeah, like, no, I'm, listen, I mean, like I, that I, shit is it rules. I, I this feel movie like whips I'm, ass. I feel like I'm on cocaine when I watch this movie. <laughs> like I'm just like, yes, get the story. <laughs> 
And I, 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 it's funny because I, uh, Chapo's always sort of like make fun of the museum and like the, 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 the cult of journalism and mm-hmm. stuff. But like, I still feel, I, I get why that sort of criticism is necessary about like this sort of like our holy institutions of the New York Times, which is just like, you know, CIA stenography or whatever, aren't good and like are bad now, especially now. But like, the, 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 I do have a lot of respect and and some kind of like passion or or like uh, jubilance for this process mm-hmm. of like finding out the truth. And and I think that's why I'm interested and have spent a lot of my time reading about like history and quote unquote conspiracy theories, yeah. which I consider history. <laughs> you know, American history is just like tracking down the truth through a big layer of you know propaganda and falsehoods yeah and i think that process is so valuable and fun um and it's great to see it kind of on this scale and given such loving craftsmanship yeah um and not in the service of cheap thrills Mm -hmm. um and not in the service of like you're saying like action star spy like we're gonna have guns all of a sudden or like they or never we have get, to like run from something or like there's several happens. scenes where they're meeting with Deep Throat and then there's like something happens somewhere else in the parking garage that you're supposed to be like, uh oh. <laughs> and then every time it's like, oh, lucky it wasn't anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lucky it was someone coughing. We're alone and actually no one is behind us. No, no, nobody's watching actually. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not I love like that. that. It's down to earth and grounded, and in romanticizing a real process yeah. of actually finding done by out. real people is also a big thing. Yeah. Like the the naturalistic dialogue in this is so like is, is so compelling at times where like like people like flub lines all the time. Like yeah, <laughs> he'll be saying like, "Give me that uh uh, uh what do you call it? The typewriter." You know. <laughs> There's no reason to have that in there. It's not like you're trying to tell us something about like Bob Woodward is actually kind of stupid or whatever. <laughs> like they'll just have it be there because it's like that's how people talk. They're clumsy. People clumsily say things like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant uh, this." Yeah, yeah, there. I was reading on IMDb. There is a, a a part where he says the wrong name. Like he was just calling somebody, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Mister." Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "I'm." S-, he like laughs and he's like, I'm sorry, I meant Mr. This. Uh, but it's funny because he's like talking to them back to back on the phone and he's yeah. like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say your name. I think that's name. the like six minute long shot. Yeah. Um, and it's just like him in a pay phone. And uh, it, they put it in because it's like, yeah, you would get confused. Like yeah. he's a real guy. He's not like some super. He's not Sherlock. This is the thing. They're yeah. not. They're not just like, oh, I deduced dirt from- on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Were you burying your wife? <laughs> you got pearls that you could only get off the Nile River. And so that means you were in Egypt. And, you know, like, it's not like that. It's like literally just tracking people down. But what and were then you doing in Egypt? Be- being annoying enough to get them to, like, talk. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the performances of everybody in this movie are stellar. Like, yeah. every single fucking, like, dope who's like, oh, 
I guess I was laundering money. Like, yeah, these dudes who just like have no, they, they have like a couple lines. They're in the movie for a couple seconds. They're all just like absolutely like nailing it. The yeah. best one, of course, is is the guy who's like the lawyer who uh, who was like in charge of like recruiting the guys for the conspiracy. When yeah, that uh, where Bernstein goes down to the uh, he goes to his apartment and they sit on the little back patio and he's like, "Tell me, what is it that you think the recruiter does?" Yeah, and he like tells him exactly what the recruiter does. He's like. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> but that dude is like so weird and grinny and like he kind of reminded me maybe just because of like recency bias, but he reminded me of Jude Law in Roads of Perdition. He just had this kind of like unsettling, creepy grin about oh, yeah. him. Uh, oh, yeah. That guy is so weird. Uh, I also like when um, I can't remember what state he has to go to Indianapolis or, or mm. Indiana. Oh, when he has to sit in the guy's lobby all yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, just like pestering the fucking secretary. And she's like, I can't. And like, <laughs> and then he like tricks her. So she leaves and then he goes in there and that guy is just like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> like, get the fuck out of my office. Like, I oh, no, no. Bernstein is so funny. Cause he, when I watched this movie in 2006, I don't think I'd had enough life experience to know that guy. Mm. And now I know that guy. The sort of like, not socially awkward, but like very... No, the opposite, really. Like, almost like he's like sees the Matrix in some ways. He's like, he's weird for sure, but like... He's like immediately strange and off-putting, but then like the more you get to know him, he's like really good at talking and yeah there's so many scenes though where like he's he is off-putting but i kind of feel like that's part of his game at times because like yeah. there's so many scenes where like he opens the scene just like leaning all like sexy against the door <laughs> just being like what's going on tell me about you embezzling money and you're like what the fuck <laughs> i love him i think that's kind of part of his character is that he just like he knows what his opening bid should be in every interaction he has. Yes. And sometimes the opening bid is to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm weird. Oh, I dropped something. <laughs> and then sometimes it's to just like have like his fucking buttons open and you see his chest hair and he's just like, what's going on? <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> you okay? Can I get you anything? Can I get you a drink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so great in this did, movie. Did, did, do you think that he went home with you because he wanted to fuck you? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> Why is that even relevant to this? I just wanted to know. <laughs> I love I love their banter too. Woodward and Bernstein's mm-hmm. banter of like there's a part one of my favorite examples of it is uh Burns they're walking in uh some suburb I can't remember who they're going to talk to, but like Woodward is just like, isn't it weird how they're there's such deep evil can like exist in a place like this? And he's like, No, not really. <laughs> 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 like no it isn't yeah. it's not weird it's not weird at all actually <laughs> that's normal <laughs> which he's like totally right but he's just like completely undercutting anything yeah. that he's like trying to do <laughs> but he's the one who's good at prose but that's also like yeah exactly that's like that that's another one of these examples of like the movie's commitment to being boring is like that's totally the kind of place where you would put a clunky dialogue moment where he like monologues for a second about like, you know, there used to be something, uh, you know, beautiful in the American suburbs and like, you know, people live in the American dream and what is it now? Yeah. And what Ver- is it now? And Bernstein is just like coldly being like, no, that's not true. He literally just like, <laughs> if, like before you start your monologue, let me just go ahead and say no, 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 it isn't. <laughs> in fact, in fact, just because you wanted to go to a monologue, we're going to do five minutes of typing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to write down something on piece pencil and paper. Could we actually? Could we get camera two in here for a second? I'm gonna go write something down in a phone booth. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think like the best poker movie or the best, you know, movie about sports, like to a certain kind of freak where this is the kind of thing you want. You want to see people like succeeding at like chipping away at like the true story. Yeah. It's crack. Uh, it's maybe one of the best. It's probably the best one. Right. Like it's it's the godfather of journalism. Movies. Oh yes, absolutely. It's, of movies about journalism, this is the king, uh-huh. the undisputed champion. Yeah, every single movie after this will be chasing the energy of this. Yes. Um, like I said, Zodiac, Spotlight. Yeah, they're all trying to do all the presidents. Even Pacula, pa- uh, the Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went on to direct that uh, similar type of thing, um, and this one is just like, I think the. The Watergate scandal is etched in people's minds. Probably it was a huge deal, but like the texture and tone and like importance of it has a lot to do with this movie, I feel. Yes. Um, and I think it would be great if more people made movies that sort of made people remember stuff like this, such as like JFK, also a great version of that. This movie more yeah. manic and insane. Uh, have we watched JFK? No, we should. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't think so, no. <laughs> uh, we got to watch it. Um, but uh, I, I think that thing, movies that are successful in uncovering and sort of packaging a scandal with the correct messaging. And I want to step back and just say, I don't know enough about the Watergate conspiracy theories to, I know that like people I respect mentioned that Woodward was in the Navy and then went to Yale and then Harvard again, and then immediately was on the Washington post staff. And that's a little fishy. If you know anything about the CIA. Um, But from what I can tell, the vast majority of it is that, you know, there is also a theory that the, the, the CIA was trying to set up Nixon and this was sort of like botched on purpose to get Nixon out of the White House. I don't even know if I personally subscribe. Yeah, but why would like what would Who they... cares? Gerald Ford is better. It's like why Yeah, what 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 benefit would there be to getting Nixon out of the White House? Nixon seemed to be very in line with everything the CIA wanted yeah, at the time. Yeah, totally. And he was a little bit more trusting of the he he was like like Roger Stone was like his boy. Yeah. And like he, Roger Stone was all in the FBI. At this point it's been a decade since they've taken over the government and so it doesn't really matter at this point. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm I, definitely much more inclined to believe that the five or whatever however many Cuban random Cuban guys who broke into the Watergate like I'm more inclined to believe that those guys were the CIA trying to rig things in favor of Nixon that's like that's what happened as far way as more as that's far a as way I can easier tell, one for me to 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 chomp at and the only reason Nixon the CIA you don't hear the CIA mentioned as much is because Nixon was the fall guy that's the cover-up is that they tried to cover it up like the CIA would and then instead of anybody putting any like spotlight on on like the Bay of Pigs and and JFK, it just all goes to Nixon is corrupt. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the, the cover up and the sort of like conspiracy theory I think lies is that like there's other stuff that you can focus on that's much crazier. Yeah. Um, and I really do think that Woodward and Bernstein were not supposed to uncover this and it was a huge pro- headache for the CIA and they had to have Nixon be the fall guy and they probably forced him to resign. Um, so I think it's mostly a good movie that's pretty good politically and makes you think a lot about how the government was working in the seventies and how dark and evil it was. And this is, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and it's cool that they were able to report on it 
and they didn't get any justice, but I think bringing people's attention to this was very important. Um, so I think it's a great movie. I think the acting is incredible. I think it looks incredible. It's a fun topic. Yeah, I love it. Fun flick. It's one of my favorites. I recommend it. I fucking love this movie. Um, and I also recommend you go watch the rest of Alan J. Pakula's Paranoia Trilogy. Uh, Clute is fantastic. Parallax View is fantastic. Um, Parallax View is the one that's like literally about the CIA chasing down Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Um, good movie. Um, also, Robert Redford was in Three Days of the Condor, which is about how the CIA is like the pinnacle of evil. I mean, he must be really not like that that little company. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, fantastic movie. Liked it a lot. Good ass movie. Good ass movie. All right, that's the episode. Thanks for listening to Generation Loss. Did you want to say anything else about the no. movie? No. Okay, good. Thanks for listening to Generation Loss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we appreciate you being here. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and hear a weekly bonus episode. Uh, and you'll get access to all the weekly bonus episodes we've done since the beginning of the show. It's been over two years now. Yes. So there are many. And some of them are very good. And coming up very soon. Yes. Well, currently, behind the paywall, we ha- we are working on a ranking project. We are trying to rank every movie yeah, that we've which- watched on the show. <laughs> However, coming up very soon, we have a whole new... Are we announcing the new project? I think so, yeah. So this coming month, we're just having some fun with some friends uh, because we haven't had guests on a whole lot recently. That's true. So this coming month, we got some episodes with a couple homies, uh, but then starting in... August, August. August and running of- through the end of September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've we've found that it is a lot of fun to come up with concepts and and themes that allow us to sort of take a more holistic approach to like a cultural movement. Like musicals was really fun yeah. because we were sort of able to take on what we wanted out of a musical and like why people make musicals and why they make musical movies. And so we thought, why don't we plan one to sort of take a more pointed approach at a, a, an aesthetic trend yeah. um, that lasted a whole decade and does not exist anymore. Yes. And we're calling it vaguely twee early 2000s capital i indie movies (laughs) (laughs) yes we are going to be tracing the rise and fall of twee indie movies from the early aughts yeah Um, specifically we're talking about like the pencil outline of font sort of uh like Uh, uh, sort of aesthetic but there's bright primary colors with pencil drawings but but there's a secondary branch of this which we'll be exploring a little bit which is colorful squares making a grid that's uh, with some photos within it uh (laughs) white white backgrounds like white background with colorful squares with photos within it these are these are separate strains of the same disease i believe Uh, and, and, and we're going to be exploring this whole cultural movement. And not we, negatively. No, not at all. Uh, this is sort of a... It, I'm considering it sort of an a... Uh uh, like a labor of cartography is what I've been calling Absolutely. it, right? We are we are mapping it from origin through to death. Uh, so right. we're we're starting is, with where we believe the movement 
has its genesis and we are ending where we believe it sees its final final incarnations what's what's so fascinating about these types of movies is that they and we're not starting yet i'm just no i'm just we're so, not starting I'm yet so this isn't officially ta- part of it i'm so excited <laughs> to talk about it uh it's just so interesting that we watched and lived through i we're old enough to remember all of this um something as functionally pointed as like 60s flowers mm. and did not know it but kind of were aware of it at the time that like yeah. indie movies look a certain way and now we're looking back and it is so obvious which one of these movies like was involved in it and how it affected the rest of fashion and aesthetics throughout this whole decade yeah um, and is completely gone now. Um, so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, we're gonna do two months of this um, because we just we we made a big list and we kept. Th- well, Jeremy like, pitched it for one month, and then we like ma- we had so many movies, and there was so many, and we had good cases for so many of them that yeah. we were like, we can't just do one month. But 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 then it's it, just not enough. It was not only that we had such good cases, is that they sort of formed this arc of from the literal dawn of the, t- like the aughts, yeah. the two, the year 2000 to 2010, this like perfect arc of its rise and decay. Um, and we wanted to sort of mention each little facet of it. So yes. I think it's going to be a very fun series. Please tune in for that. Yep. August through September. Yeah. And, uh, but next month we'll, next week we will be tackling <laughs> and another early 2000s classic but not within the same it is not it's outside of the boundaries it's yeah. a totally different sort of aesthetic and yeah. and honestly leads to much worse directions yes. uh, aesthetically <laughs> that still linger to this day that's true uh 2005's crash not the good one the nope, bad one the bad one and we will be watching it with cw headley f- a friend fa- of friend of the favorite. show a longtime <laughs> fan fave cw headley will be coming on to talk about race (laughs) (laughs) so get excited for that (laughs) that'll be next week uh but the currently we're doing the rankings which has been a lot of fun uh we do get sidetracked as we're wont to do but we'll probably get that done with that in probably another couple weeks uh that is going on in the bonuses and then after and then after that i think we might start watching the venture brothers that is an idea of we are floating and I'm down to do it. Uh, another idea for the Patreon is just like, we'll just pick a long show like the venture brothers and we'll just do that. Yeah. Um, which I think is a fun idea. Um, we will do them by season, not by episode though. Yeah. That would be insane to do by episode. We won't become a venture brothers podcast. We'll do an episode every month about the venture brothers season that we watch. So it'd be like, what is it? Nine. Is it, no, no, it's not nine. It's, I think it's like six. Six. So it'd be like six months where we do the venture an adventure brothers episode every month in between the regular scheduled broadcast. I think that would be very fun. So there's lots of fun stuff going on, retooling the 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 show, coming up with the cool yeah. ideas. Uh, so get behind the Patreon. Yeah, the thing is, you're gonna have to give us money for That's that. That's true. <laughs> We're going to have to. Uh, we will not be doing free emotional labor. Because I hear the Venture Brothers is emotional. It is. It's emotional labor to watch the Venture Brothers. <laughs> so we're going to be needing $5, uh, and you'll get that. American dollars, by the way. Uh huh. Well, they'll do the conversion. They'll do the conversion. 
<laughs> but it's not going to be five, probably. Well, I don't know. Is the dollar weak? The dollar's weak, I think. Or is the dollar strong? I don't know who else has one that's called dollars. Mm-hmm. But um, there are other ones. Canadian, Canadian dollars, Canadian dollars, for example. For sure. Um, but... You will also get Discord benefits where you can hang out with us in the Discord where we do hang out and you will get to watch the movie that we're going to talk about on Monday the Did day we before. Say that? Hmm? I think we already said that. No, I haven't said that yet. Well, anyway, that's, that's movies. movies. <laughs> I want to see the Constitution burn. want to watch the White House overturn. want to witness some blue blood bleed red. I wanna turn and make the KKK Wanna pull and shoot 